Chapter Eleven, Part Two of Bill the Conqueror by P. G. Woodhouse. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The chase ends. It is pleasant to be able to record that Bill's first act on returning to the metropolis was to drive, guided by Flick, to Sir George's house in Manchester Square and leave the limousine outside the front door. He had no desire to add larceny to his other offenses against the gentleman. This done, he hailed a cab and took Flick off to a restaurant to dine. He was feeling in need of refreshment after the activities of the afternoon, and it had become evident to both of them that the situation which had arisen was one that called for calm and unhurried discussion. "'How on earth?' he said, as the waiter receded from the table which they had taken in a quiet corner. "'Your uncle found out that you were likely to be at Marmont Mansions. Simply gets past me.' i suppose we've got to take it that he did come there looking for you i'm afraid so there doesn't seem any other possible reason why he should be in battersea at all in any case he knows that you are to be found somewhere round these parts so the question now arises what's to be done flick drew little patterns on the tablecloth with her fork she looked about her at the gradually filling restaurant she had lived a cloistered life at holly house rarely emerging for meals except to go to recognized resorts of wealth like the ritz claridge's and the carlton and this sort of place was strange to her she was trying to decide whether the people at the other table were interesting or merely flashy when bill put his question again what's to be done yes i'm wondering too said flick but she spoke listlessly, for the long ride, with all its varied emotions, had left her tired. She wanted to postpone serious talk, and to that end turned the conversation to the subject of this restaurant in which she was sitting. "'What did you say the name of this place was?' she asked. "'Mario's,' said Bill. "'What made you choose it?' "'I was trying to think of somewhere where your Uncle George would be least likely to drop in for a bite,' and I remembered this place. Slingsby took me here to lunch one day. Why, don't you like it? Yes, I think it's... Oh! She was looking past him at the door, and he was surprised to see that the color which had been coming back to her face under the influence of food and drink had suddenly left it again. Her eyes had widened in a startled stare of dismay, and for a moment there flashed into his mind the absurd thought that Sir George might miraculously have appeared, as if out of a trap. He swung around in his seat, and was relieved to find that no such miracle had occurred. Somebody had just come in at the door, and was walking down the room looking for a table. But it was not Sir George. It was a young man in a check suit, black-haired and adorned, if you could call it that, as to the upper lip by a small blob of moustache bill had no recollection of ever having set eyes on this young man before nor did the other's appearance give to his thinking reasonable cause for alarm he turned round again and looked at flick inquiringly she was still pale did you see she whispered see said bill mystified do you mean the fellow in the check suit flick nodded mr pillbeam 
bill who had taken up his knife and fork laid them down again he eyed flick incredulously for a moment then turned once more and looked down the room and looking saw the check-suited one had congealed into a pillar of amazement and was gaping in their direction with open mouth if he had been a highly paid motion-picture star he could not have registered surprise more eloquently bill flushed darkly it took a good deal to ruffle his normally good-humoured outlook on life but it could be done roderick pike had done it by hitting him over the head with a stick and percy pilbeam had done it now by the mere act of walking into a restaurant where he was having dinner a man who has been through the sort of experiences which bill had been having that afternoon does not look at things in the light of pure reason mario's restaurant was open to the entire population of london and percy pilbeam had a perfect right to go there to dine if he wished but to bill who had been chased by the other's employer from the prince of wales road battersea to within a couple of miles of brocket hall in hertfordshire his presence in the place seemed as much an outrage as that of sir george pike in his flower-beds had seemed to montague grayson the sunny novelist it was persecution that was what bill felt sheer persecution and he pushed his chair back and rose with protruding jaw where are you going asked flick the next moment it had become plain where bill was going he was stalking down the aisle in the direction of the table at which the intruder had now been induced by a solicitous waiter to seat himself he reached the table and planting two large hands on the cloth bent forward and raked the assistant editor of society spice with a lowering gaze that seemed to the latter to sear his very soul not for a long time had percy pilbeam seen at close range any one so big and so obviously unfriendly as bill he shrank into his chair is your name pilbeam pilbeam gulped dryly Yuck. bill bent a little closer to the diners at the neighboring tables the incident seemed a common one of restaurant life the old friend spotting the dear pal across the room and coming over to pass a chummy word pilbeam would have been amazed if he had known that anybody could possibly so misinterpret the position of affairs he was indeed wondering dully why the whole of the assembled company did not instantly rush to the spot to avert the murder which seemed to him so sickeningly imminent in the pursuance of his duties as scandal-gatherer for society spice he had been in some unpleasant situations but compared with this one they had been roses roses all the way for a swift instant he met bill's eye and looked pallidly away horrified by its red hostility you notice i'm dining with miss sheridan said bill in a quiet rumbling voice pilbeam tried to say quite but the word stuck in his throat good said bill now do you know what you're going to do pilbeam smiled the beginnings of a weak smile intended to convey that he was open to consider in the most favourable spirit any suggestions which bill might make you're going to wait right here where you're sitting cooed bill 
clenching and unclenching a fist that looked to the other's fascinated gaze like a ham until we are through you will then keep right on sitting while we go out and you will continue sitting for ten minutes after that i should advise you to make it a little longer so as to be on the safe side as i shall be out there keeping an eye on the door see pilbeam said that he saw that's understood then now don't urged bill earnestly go getting absent-minded and forgetting will you pilbeam said he wouldn't and bill nodded a brief farewell and returned to his table pilbeam after watching him the whole way took up a fork and began to pick feebly at a sardine what did he say asked flick eagerly bill considered the question come to think of it he replied he didn't say much but i gathered that he understood all right understood that he wasn't to stir from the table till we had been gone ten minutes but he will he'll sneak out the moment we leave and follow me i think not said bill i think not would you mind changing seats then i shall be able to watch him not that it's really necessary come on he said encouragingly don't let a little thing like that spoil your dinner try some of this fish it looks good with gentle solicitude he forced her to make an adequate meal and was pleased to note the steady rise of her spirits as she ate when the waiter had brought the coffee he felt that the time had come for serious discussion of the situation the intrusion of pillbeam added to the shock of discovering that sir george had followed the trail that led to the battersea haven had disturbed him a good deal and he had been thinking deeply in the intervals of conversation now he said we must talk this thing over and see where we stand it seems to me that they're beginning to come over the plate a bit too fast flick nodded the metaphor was strange to her but she gathered its meaning let's get it clear bill went on your plan of campaign is to stay away till your people throw in the towel and say that this idea of marrying the man pike is off that's straight isn't it yes but how am i to stay away with them right after me like this they know now where you live and any moment they may find out where i live exactly obviously you can't come dropping in at marmot mansions any more no two courses proceeded bill judiciously are open we can change our addresses but even if i do change my address i shall be all the time in a state of jumps wondering if uncle george isn't going to pop out from somewhere and pounce on me just what i was going to say myself it doesn't seem to me worth it you can't go on with this hunted fawn business indefinitely it would give you the willies in a couple of days so what i suggest is that you clear out altogether what where new york new york i've thought it all out said bill complacently and between you and me i think the scheme's a pippin it'll only take a day getting your passport fixed up but what am i to do when i get to new york i've two ideas about that you might go to my uncle cooley at westbury where we first met you know flick shook her head it wouldn't be safe he would be sure to cable uncle sinclair that i was there 
they're great friends yes that's true well then here's the other idea i'll give you a letter to alice coker she will look after you if bill had not at that moment removed his gaze while he reached for a match he might have observed a queer expression flit over flick's face she looked at bill wonderingly it passed her comprehension how he could possibly be so dense as to imagine that she would go anywhere near the odious miss coker no matter how great the emergency true she had never let fall a word to indicate that alice coker was in her opinion of all the superfluous women in the world the most superfluous but she felt that he ought to have known it by instinct she bit her lip and her blue eyes clouded she's a great girl continued bill with tactless enthusiasm you'll love her yes said flick thinly i'll tell you what i'll write the letter now he called to the waiter and presently pen ink and paper were on the table i think this is a wow don't you he said buoyantly a what a pip explained bill the scheme of a lifetime it solves the whole thing flick watched him as he wrote clenching her hands under the table she was conscious of a rush of contending emotions at one moment she wanted to bang this dull-witted young man over the head and the next she was wishing that she could just bury her face in her hands and cry it was this latter desire which she found it particularly hard to fight down she was feeling bitterly hurt the airy way he had suggested that she should go right out of his life like this with never a hint that he would miss her for an instant it was illogical of course she realized that he was only trying to help her but women cannot always be logical in itself considered merely as a way out of her difficulties the idea of going to america was she forced herself to admit a good one the activities of the enemy had rendered london impossible she simply could not go on being as bill had expressed it a hunted fawn in new york she would feel safe and she had plenty of money there said bill flick took the letter and put it in her bag thank you she said i suppose we might as well be going now mightn't we i'm rather tired all right said bill i'll put you into a cab and then i'll hang around for a while just in case friend pillbeam starts any rannygazoo but pillbeam did not start any rannygazoo he was ostentatiously busy with the leg of a chicken as they passed down the aisle nor did he allow his eyes to stray in their direction when they went through the door safety first was pillbeam's motto bill closed the door of the cab good night he said don't lose that letter of course not said flick good night bill turned back to the door of the restaurant and stood there solidly in his eyes the watchful look of one on his guard against ranny gazoo the cab turned the corner into shaftesbury avenue a hand waved at him from the window the cab had scarcely reached coventry street when the hand once more came out of the window this time it grasped some fragments of paper it opened and with a vicious jerk scattered these into the road 
then it disappeared again the good ship homeric lay in her slip at southampton preparing for departure her decks and alleyways were crowded with voyagers and those who had come to see those voyagers off flick leaning over the rail stared down at the sun-speckled water and bill by her side gazed at the gulls circling overhead for some minutes now conversation between them had taken on a limping gait and the atmosphere was charged with a strange embarrassment you'll be off soon said bill urged by the silence to say something yes the gulls flashed to and fro against the cobalt sky mewing like kittens this is supposed to be one of the most comfortable boats in the world said bill is it i think you'll be comfortable i expect so they rather pride themselves on making you comfortable that's nice bill was not sure whether he was sorry or relieved to hear at this juncture the all for the shore cry that puts an end to the sometimes trying ordeal of seeing off up till a few minutes ago everything had been jolly coming down in the train and for the first quarter of an hour on board the boat flick had been full of chatter a pleasant and cheery companion but just recently a cloud seemed to have fallen on her mood and she had tended to long silences and monosyllables i suppose i ought to be going he said i suppose so i hope you'll have a good time on board thanks it'll seem funny to you being in america again after all these years yes i'll look after bob thanks well i suppose i ought to be going i suppose so a gull wheeled so close to bill's head that he ducked involuntarily he laughed a nervous laugh <laughs> what a lot of people come to see people off he said yes friends i suppose said bill brightly i shouldn't wonder a steward with a voice like a foghorn in pain was once more urging all whom it might concern to make for the shore i suppose said bill struck with a novel idea i ought to be going i think you'd better well good-bye good-bye you won't lose that letter which letter why the one to alice said bill surprised oh yes said flick she'll give you a great time yes they had walked to the gangplank it was covered with a moving stream of humanity bustling like bees going into a hive there was something so suggestive of finality about the spectacle that a curious dull melancholy swept over bill he cast a side glance at flick the sight of her sent an odd pang through him perhaps it was the hugeness of the vessel that made her seem so small and forlorn gosh he exclaimed with sudden fervor i shall miss you the flat will seem like a desert without you in the old armchair i shall just sit there with poor old bob he broke off good lord he said dismayed it's nothing said flick her face was working she dabbed impatiently at her eyes but i-i was just thinking of bob she held out her hand abruptly good-bye she said and was gone 
bill stood for a moment staring into the crowd which hid her golly he mused she is fond of that dog he walked ashore thoughtfully End of chapter 11, part 2